0: Hey family, it's your sister Jocelyn here, and welcome to another episode of Faith on the Journey. If this is your first time tuning in, we welcome you. We are so glad that you are here and want you to know that we're committed to helping you strengthen your faith, heal your heart, and discover a sense of community. And we do so through a variety of ways by connecting you with a team of Christian counselors and offering trauma healing trainings across the country. You can learn about these resources and so much more by visiting our website at faithonthejourney.org again that is faithonthejourney.org now today i'm welcoming to the show a sister in christ who is on mission to raise awareness about the impact of sex trafficking and so much more michelle is a visionary author speaker pastor, and nonprofit founder. She's also a catalyst for transformation. Michelle is the author and co-author of seven books, including Brave and Beautiful and Brave and Bold, an interactive series that empowers teens in life and leadership around knowledge to protect themselves from sex trafficking and victimization. She's here to speak about her story and her work with us today. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show, Michelle.
1: Thank you so much, Jocelyn. It's such an honor.
0: Yes. Thank you.
1: Yes. Well, I was really glad that
0: you reached out because from what I hear, you have a really powerful testimony, especially being a childhood trauma survivor. And so I actually would like to start
1: our interview there. Sure. Well, a little background, I'm born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii, and I'm a Japanese family. You know, and my mom, thankfully, was a very loving mother. But my father, you know, had a very much of an anger issue, anger problems. And so from the time I was a toddler all the way through senior in high school, I experienced, you know, different situations where I experienced um, domestic abuse, you know, violence, physical abuse from my dad, as well as verbal abuse. And, you know, just living in a household of walking on eggshells, you know, not knowing um, what is gonna make him upset and you know um violent, and it was just living in a lot of fear um thankfully, I had my mom though, but at the same time it was you know she was getting violence against her as well, and as a little girl observing that as well, that became the the norm, you know, so to speak, in our family. I remember Jocelyn as a little girl, my favorite place was being curled up in a ball, you know um in the dark closet of my room. Just to escape the chaos, I mean it was like a almost like a retreat, but it was a lonely place and I think it's just a great metaphor of how locked up I was, you know, as a little girl, and it just fed into um, what I didn't know at the time, but a lot of self hatred a lot of self rejection you know it's not only the physical abuse, but as we all know, when people speak words over you, um that can go into your heart right, and just begin to believe those lies as your core beliefs about yourself, so that's really formed, you know, from a young child, I just had a lot of self worth issues. And so I think as I grew up, I wanted so badly my dad to love me, I I didn't perceive he did, he provided for the family and whatnot. But the emotional connection was really not there. The interest in my life was not there. And so I wanted so badly to gain that, you know, I could have gone in different directions, right? I I, I could have rebelled and addicted to drugs or just hung up with the wrong crowd. but for whatever reason, I chose to be the performer, you know, like I I thought, well, if I get straight A's, or if I win this contest, or if I do well in school and do this situation, then maybe dad will love me. And I was just one of those great performers, but nobody knew that behind the mask that I wore, you know, in school, that was, was just a very scared, broken girl, you know, so that's a little bit of a background.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I want you to, talk a little bit more about, you use the word mask, which is a buzzword for me, because my first book was about how we wear a mask to hide our pain. And I actually am writing another book on that topic around performance, the mask of performance, which people don't even realize is there, the mask of perfection and where those roots can be from and how it's difficult to keep that mask up. You get tired after a while performing. And so for you, how was it continuously wearing that mask? how was that for you how did it impact you your self esteem when you would perform and still might not have received the response you wanted kind of what was going on with you as you navigated life wearing this mask
1: well if you want to talk about my you know childhood and teen years uh, i didn't i wasn't really self aware of what i was doing right you just are trying to cope and and trying to gain whatever sense of value you can through performance right and so it was a secret what my home life was a secret nobody knew you know but i think as i grew older performance obviously still continued into my adult life then the lord began to do that self awareness you know that healing journey began as a young adult like probably started in my like early 20s like 2022 20, when i first got married that kind of opened up the can of worms with you know having somebody love you and marry in marriage is like pushed all the buttons you know that i didn't even know were there i was so ultra sensitive as you can imagine to anger and, you know there's a scripture that says you know about judging don't judge lest you be judged right and i think that's where i began to see my mask was coming off to myself even that when i started to you know we beginning years of marriage Whenever my husband would show a little bit of irritation or anger, which you know it happens, right? Anyway, I would just fly off the handle because I, I was so ultra sensitive. To be honest and vulnerable, like I I, I started to like hit him <laughs> with my fist, like out of frustration. And I'm thinking, why am I doing this? You know, I'm and I judged my dad for being violent, and here I was becoming like him. Wow. You know, don't judge lest you be judged. And so I was kind of reaping that judgment and I began to, but then thankfully, I um, began to learn about inner healing, even though it was back in the day, you know, 1984, when inner healing was just being pioneered. Thankfully, God began to show me these things about forgiveness and all of that. So kind of jumping a little forward about the mask question you had, but it, it was a journey, you know, of first realizing I had a mask and then realizing that it's exhausting putting on this mask and to have your self-worth and value based on what other people think all the time, you know, you're going to experience much pain and it's just exhausting, right?
0: Yeah. And it sounds like as you, after you got married, you began to see, Ooh, there's some things that I might have might have lied dormant, but I have definitely not healed from. So, what was your healing process like? I know it was a journey. I know we only have so much time to talk, but like just kind of giving a high-level overview of what were some of the things that helped you to begin to emotionally heal?
1: Uh, well, I was a Christian at the time too, right? So, when we first got married, we joined a small group of young married couples, and thankfully the leaders started to say, "Hey, let's study these books on, you know, the Sanford's you know and they have a healing ministry in the United States and so we began to study their books and as a group and I began to become aware of my brokenness and how how do we walk through this with the Lord so thankfully even back in the day you know, I was beginning to learn about these things I'll give you a, a quick example of a healing moment and it's a typical good um good example of just my healing journey God will give you Healing moments and he heals you in so many creative ways. Um, But this is this one, when my husband and I first got married, we never would get into an argument. I would go into a tailspin of suicidal thoughts. I didn't really have suicidal thoughts. For many years, I started having a suicidal thought in fourth grade, but I never really acted on it, and never really grew. But when I, in my marriage, I started to, you know, just swirl in that those thoughts whenever we get into an argument. I remember reading about how sometimes in the book, you know, that we were studying that sometimes uh, when you have a suicidal thought that keeps coming, sometimes it's you're in the womb, you're rejected by your mom. Because it's it's like a you can be wounded in the womb, your spirit is still affected. So I thought, well, that could be a root, right? So I, I asked my mom at that time, because we were learning about this in a small group. Hey, mom, what were your thoughts toward me when you were pregnant with me? Now, my mom had to get married because she was pregnant with me. And so back in the days, you know, my, my, my mom and dad got married because my mom was pregnant with me. Well, she said to me, well, for the first six months, I denied that you were even there. And and then when I got born, my dad rejected me, you know, because I think he was young, you know, at the 22 when he got married, so you know he was maybe too young to be a dad, didn't know how. Oh, a root. And so, as a result, I shared this with small group. They prayed over me. After that, I never had a a suicidal thought again. So God can heal sometimes, you know, in an instant moment for a certain issue. Sometimes it takes a walking it out. Um, But those are just moments of walking with the lord i had to have a heart i believe to pursue my healing like i wanted so desperately jocelyn to be healed and free on the inside from all of these things and so i pursued my healing and i think that takes courage and i think um, that's the first step right of pursuing it and doing what it takes
0: i'll never forgive you for what you did to me
1: i feel so dirty
0: (sighs) i just don't know who i am anymore I can't believe I'll never see him again. I've gotta be strong for my family. I can't let him see me cry. What happens in this house stays in this house. I can't take this anymore. I feel like I'm living my entire life behind a mask. The mask is the keeper of secrets and master of illusions. It despises authenticity, fears transparency, and knows no vulnerability. The mask will stop at nothing to keep its image intact and emotions at bay. In its simplest form, the mask is the facade we project to the world. But what is hidden in the dark will come to light. Even if we master the art of wearing the mask, the pain that we have buried has the power to hold us captive in the shackles of shame, anger, and despair. But there is power greater than our pain, greater than our past, and greater than what the world says about us. There is a God who can heal us from our pain and can free us from defining our values based on the world's standards. There is hope. And you can embark on your journey towards freedom by reading the book, Breaking the Power of the Mask, by author and motivational speaker, Jocelyn Jones. Discover the joy and healing that rightfully belongs to you. No more shame, no more fear, and no more hiding behind the mask. I'm breaking the power. I'm breaking the power. I'm breaking the power of the mask. Get your copy today by visiting breakingthemask.com. I love that you talked about awareness. You you talked about pursuing at the community and when you pursued, you did some investigative work right? You did some uncovering, you asked some difficult questions. And I'm grateful that your mom was very honest with you about that backstory, because sometimes we don't want to admit to our family members, to those we love, our humanity, our struggles. And even though your mother loved you, she was struggling. She was a young mom, got pregnant outside of marriage. The, The public Uh, shaming that can take place uh, from cultural standpoints, put that pressure on her. And so how helpful was it for you? Obviously, you were able to bring it to your small group for healing. But just kind of having those conversations with your mother as an adult, what did that do to shift things in your relationship?
1: Oh, it really helped because she was always, like I said, loving But when I, it helped me to understand her more, sometimes, you know, we still have issues. I still have issues with my mom, you know, we're humans, you know, but what's really wonderful about the Lord and just having a grace upon her, it helped me to have a greater understanding and, and to just put myself in her shoes and to just have the forgiveness to be able to be forgiving about that and just letting it go and understanding that she did the best she could with what she had. And so did my dad, you know, he grew up, uh, probably experienced the same thing, you know, a lot of uh, different violence and not being loved. He didn't know how to love in that way that I needed. And that was a result of his brokenness. So, you know, as an adult, you can process these things, right. And, and work through that forgiveness process, which was key, It was painful though. Jocelyn, I can't uh, tell you how painful that was to walk through because you have to face those painful memories. God will bring up memories. And I always say, okay, God, you brought up this memory. I guess you want to heal me of that particular situation. And he does. He wants to restore. And so it's just been, I'm 61. And it's been, it's been pretty much from 22 to 61 of pursuing of my healing. And there's layers upon layers. And you think, oh, I'm healed already. You know, but there's more. But it's okay because God has a timing, I've noticed, for what he wants to deal with.
0: I love that you said layers upon layers. I use the analogy of an onion. It's kind of like you're pulling back the layers and you're like, oh, wait, there's more. Oh, it's a little bit deeper here. Uh, But in this pursuit, this lifelong pursuit of healing, God is with us along the way. And so I just appreciate you sharing openly uh, how difficult it was. I, I tell people when it comes to healing, the work around healing, in order to heal, you have to hurt. You have to face this pain. And it sometimes you're like, I don't even want to deal with this. I don't want to feel it. But just because you might suppress it or ignore it or put it on the shelf does not mean it's not there. And it'll continue to show its face in your life if you don't get the support and begin to do the work around your healing.
1: Yes, I couldn't agree more, Jocelyn. And and then then God goes through the healing process then of building you back up and helping you to see yourself as he sees you and the immense incredible value that he has put in each one of us, right? And, you know, the Japanese culture, which I grew up in, has a saying, the nail that stands up, you pound down. You know, I grew up in that mindset of culture, you know, even here in Hawaii, sometimes we have that feeling like don't don't think you're so special, you know, got that kind of comments. And so I had to learn what is kingdom culture? What what does God say? You know, we're, we're meant to shine in humility, but we meant to shine to glorify God mm-hmm. in the highest, right? And so what does that look like? How do how do you walk as royal king's kids? What does that mean to be a daughter of the king? And what, what kind of words how, that he sees you. And so that's been a whole other journey too, right? To rebuild what was never built in the first place or were stolen away.
0: Yes, to fully embrace your identity as a daughter of the Most High. You know, that is that is something that's a process for us. And with that, I appreciate the fact that you had community. You had a, a husband who was there to support you as you were growing in your relationship with God. Now, you... Have done some great work. So around ministry, about establishing a nonprofit and writing books and speaking. So where did this journey begin for you in terms of transitioning to stepping out and answering the call?
1: Again, it's an act of obedience <laughs> and passion, a mixture of both, you know. I, I was a school teacher for 14 years in public school, and then my husband planted a church, and I I just love ministry. I love ministering to especially women and events and creativity. I love all that. And so I just began to jump in, you know, feet feet first, you know, just jump into ministry, helping out with the church. When you plant a church, there's a lot to do. And so I just kind of was faithful in the little, whatever was placed in front of me from, you know, ironing tablecloths to making potluck food and sweeping the carpet, you know, just all of these different things, right? And then in 2012, I had an encounter with God and I mean, the purity camp, so to speak, our teenagers. And I guess it just, it's a long God story, but just in a nutshell, he called me to, to me, you know, Michelle, there's something much bigger in the future when I was doing this purity theme conference or I'm sorry, camp for our high schoolers. And so fast forward three years later, I'm in a meeting with these senior pastor men. I'm the only woman, I'm a fly on the wall, you know, and they, one of them interrupts and say, Hey, you need to hear about Michelle's purity camps. All eyes were on me. I was horrified this happened, but I just started to share and that started the discussion and at the end the pastor said can you do an island-wide purity conference for all of us because we all don't know how to talk about sex and sexuality and neither do our parents can you help us and with me not knowing coming from a very small family-sized church i didn't know how to do a big event but i wanted to deserve so i did the best i could in it we, we had our first we first event uh, in 2014 september we had 600 high schoolers and then 300 parents we did a parent track and so much healing, so much equipping on the subject. I thought we'll do this every few years. I had no vision, but long story short, within nine months of the first event, I got calls from Canada, Philippines, and Singapore saying, we heard about explicit movement. Can you come to our nation and do a conference? I thought to myself, what? I can't do that like what you know but it was a whole god process i don't have time to tell you that could be a whole other podcasting of itself but so many supernatural miracles happening but it was an act of obedience because i in the time i didn't see myself as somebody who could lead something that was global or something that you know could even grow and so what long it turned into a nonprofit because we started we traveled the next year to two countries. It started to grow and we're going into our 10th year now. Basically, Explicit Movement is a ministry that cares about equipping youth, young adults, parents, church leaders, a community on sex and sexuality topics that are very difficult and many times avoided, but our young people, right? Need to have guidance, a godly perspective, And if we're silent, they're only healing the world. And so we really care about raising the next generation, you know, and releasing them into their fullness. And a lot of times these sexual brokenness issues comes in and there's so much pain, as you all know, in our young people in these areas. And so we just want to bring healing, equipping, and uh just yeah you could be in the family church families in this as well. That's wonderful.
0: That's so exciting. And I I know you said God was just unfolding new levels and new things to you and you're kind of looking like wow. Look at what God is up to. But with everything that's taken place with your ministry, there's some work you're doing around sexual trafficking. Is that correct? Human trafficking, especially around healing in that arena.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting how God will use our past, sometimes the things we're most ashamed about, to bring him the light of the, his glory. It's So it, it, it's shameful things. He makes beautiful, right? And it, it really helps people. So that's kind of this, the connection, I think, with this. Um, with this whole uh, sex trafficking area that we went into in 2019, the Lord said to us, you know, to add this to our, what we cover, we cover sex abuse, pornography, all these things. And so we added that. And then about a month later, I just have to tell you a God encounter I had in the shower (laughs) with my own business. God doesn't oftentimes speak to me in a two-way conversation, but it was one of those rare times. I saw this vision of this publication, um, floating in front of my eyes and basically Uh, I asked, had a conversation with God about it. And he said, Oh, this is a publication for teenage girls to empower them uh, for against sex trafficking victimization. And I said, God, that's an amazing idea. You're so smart. You know, I don't don't think there's anything like it because it was beautiful. It was like magazine style. And then I saw, I saw the pages and everything. And then he said, if you do a Christian version and then a secular version, and if you do it with excellence, If you do it with excellence, it's gonna go global. Now, I didn't know about the global part, but I knew it was an assignment, so we worked on it. And in 2022, we launched Brave and Beautiful, which is a four volume journey book set for for teenage girls, middle school, high school, and women of all ages actually love it for themselves. Three quarters of it is all about empowering identity, uh, emotional health, vision for your life. Because if a girl has those things, they're already less vulnerable to be trafficked in a world where traffickers are often classmates and friends. No way. Can you say more about that? It's in our neighborhoods. Yeah, the pimps, you know, they, they train up the young people to be the recruiters. And so if it happens, I would say every community in America, you just don't hear about it. You just don't know about it because it's, you know, it's hidden. And the news doesn't always, you know, talk about it. But frontline workers in the in that, anti-sex trafficking work, yeah, they ha- they're they a bit very busy with pretty much happening in every school in Hawaii, in middle school and high school. And so you know, it's happening everywhere. So that's why we wanted to bring awareness and equipping to the tactics of groomers. So teenagers are aware. And as you know, boys can be trafficked too. And so in Hawaii, 20% of victims statistically are boys. And it's local people, local girls are getting trafficked. It's not, we think it's, oh, it's the foreign girls from other nations coming in. It's that, but it's also our local girls in our communities, where even where you are too, Jocelyn. So we wanna care about this issue. So uh, we have Brave and Beautiful for teen girls and we're working on Brave and Bold for teen boys because boys need confidence too. They need to know their identity in Christ. They need the emotional and they also need that help and also just equipping in areas of pornography, sex abuse and um, sex trafficking, which are the three Sexual topics we do cover in the last fourth volume because they're all connected. Uh, High correlation between 98% to 99% of all victims, frontliners tell me, that have had sexual abuse in their past. It's a huge correlation and um, something that happens. So we really want to address those things in an age-appropriate way. That is wonderful.
0: And Michelle, where can someone find out more about your work, get copies of your tools, your books, uh, and the things that you're offering?
1: Yes. You can go to explicitmovement.org, explicitmovement.org. And you can look at you know, Raven Beautiful is right on there. And then Raven Bold for Boys is coming up. So I'd appre- appreciate it. Just check it out because you want to care about your own daughters, your own granddaughters, your own nieces, your own, the teenagers in your church we all are spiritual moms, dads, you know, of these young people. So we want to protect them and empower them in life and leadership is basically what it is.
0: Yes. So good, Michelle. And and is there any final words that you will offer someone who's experienced some form of sexual abuse or abuse in general, doesn't have to be sexual, who is seeking God's healing? What words of encouragement could you offer them?
1: Oh, I would like to just tell you that There is so much hope for you, like as you pursue God, this is God's heart is to restore and to help you to step into the fullness of who he created you to be. There is beauty and treasure in you and he wants to free you of all the things that are holding you back. his healing virtue is pouring out on you and and he will guide you. As you seek him, he will guide you in your process. He's faithful in doing that. So I just want to encourage you that he loves you so much and your healing is so much part of his heart.
0: Amen. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show with us today, Michelle. I so enjoyed learning about your work, your ministry, and your testimony.
1: Thank you so much, Jocelyn, for this opportunity and love to all of you listeners
0: yes yes thank you and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of faith on the journey i'm truly encouraged by the work of michelle and i hope you are too be sure to check out her website for resources and also if you are looking for a christian counselor when you're seeking your own healing please visit our website of faithonthejourney.org again that is faithonthejourney.org Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, you know what to do. Please leave a five-star review and subscribe. This will help us to get this message out to the world. So that's it for this week, family. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, you stay encouraged and you keep your faith on the journey. I'll see you soon,
1: family.